Hi, welcome to the Male Doula Birth Stories. This podcast has been created for all sorts of people to hear birth stories from all sorts of people. My name is Matt, I am the Male Doula. I'm a holistic practitioner, doula, and a few other things, but I prefer simply to be known as a birth keeper. I live in a little town in Kent in England and own a small holistic and alternative therapy clinic called Bowen Bexley. This podcast has been muddling around in my head since I attended my first birth. Each pregnancy I have a part in, each time an expecting or new mama has treatment with me, and each birth I'm involved with makes me determined to make this podcast become a reality. And here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Today, I have Bells with me. How are you? Alright. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so nervous, nervous. Yeah. Yeah. It's wiping a, my sweaty just, palms along my legs as we just speak. Just go with it. We're just <laughs> having a conversation. Um, obviously, this podcast is just about getting people's stories out there so people get to hear different birth stories, different angles. You know, we've had all sorts of births, cesarean section births. I've you got know. all the angles. <laughs> you have got, I know, I, I was lucky enough to be involved in with this a little bit, which has been amazing, but you're just amazing. What you've been through, what you've done is just so good. So everybody's thinking, who's Bells? Okay, so we have this lovely couple, Jessica and Ed, and their baby that we have now with us, Mars. He's so gorgeous. Mm. So, birth experience. I mean, just really get us going. What What would you say your birth experience is? Mm. It was it was everything that it could have been. Really, it was all of the lovely, serene, calm, ceremonial vibes that I would that I could have hoped for. And then eventually, with all of the kind of scary. I wouldn't say unknown because um, luckily we, we were kind of prepared and we had the knowledge to see us through all of the different circumstances, which I feel like we did sort of meet all of the all of the circumstances we could have. So it was dreamy and also, I don't even think I have the words for it, intense, a bit dramatic at times, yeah. a bit clinical at times, mm-hmm. which was you know, obviously the opposite of the kind of dreamy home birth vibe that we that we set in the beginning but ultimately it was just quite I don't know it just I think the whole experience stripped me down to the essence of I just want to get my baby out in the end it was just about how do I get my baby here yeah so brilliant so you've given us a little bit of a people are now listening to this going tell me more (laughs) tell me more where do you go so should we go right back to the right back to the beginning Mm mm-hmm Okay, first baby? Yes, first, yeah, first baby, first, first pregnancy. pregnancy. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So was it planned? Is yes. This, it was. Yeah, I okay. mean, planned in a sense that we we were hoping, wishing, praying for him for, for about a year before we conceived. Okay. And then we'd sort of played around with the idea of, should we try? And then we'd come to the conclusion that we were just not going to not try with a view of it might take a few months, might take, you know, and then it was... We call him the one take baby because it was the you know the first time, first time that we knew that I was ovulating. There he was. There was. <laughs> yeah. So it is about state of mind. Yeah. Getting pregnant. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Excellent. Excellent. So obviously we we've had this knowledge now that you're you're pregnant. Mm. You know. So what did that do? How did that change things? Oh, it was just really. It was like finally I get to do it. I've 
been in love with pregnancy and birth and women for so long. Ever since one of my friends told me she was going to have an orgasmic birth, actually Alicia, who ended up being our, our doula, luckily, lucky, lucky us. Yeah, she told me she had a book called Orgasmic Birth when she was pregnant with her second son. What do you mean, orgasmic birth? And that was that was when my journey started. So he he's about three and a half now, that baby. So it's been a few years that I've been interested in it. Yeah, when I found out I was pregnant, I was just so excited to finally get to do all the stuff that I'd been reading about and you know, following various Instagram accounts, watching birth videos for ages. And I've been planning my birth since before I even met Eddie, who, who oh, wow. you know, had the baby with. So I was just, yeah, the minute we found out, I was just like, let's do it. Let's get the I doula. Let's, you know, I let's get this. the pool. Let's set everything up. Yeah. And obviously the type so of exciting. birth you went for, having a doula that had already been through that. Yeah. Must have been amazing for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she had a really strong, you know, I'm sure she won't mind me saying she had a totally opposite birth her second time round so I knew that she'd been through it all and that mm. she had the strength to to overcome or just to ride out anything that birth kind of throws at you so yeah. that was nice to know that I had someone that had been really been through it yeah. by my side and a dear friend of mine and Eddie's yeah which is really special I met her she was yeah, lovely yeah, yeah. she's really really sweet so while we're at this point we're, mm-hmm. we're going to just come off of your birth for a minute mm-hmm. having a doula mm. I mean how important would you say for people out there that are going it's all this doula nonsense. I'm just going to mm. have my mum there. I'm going to have like yeah. my, my boyfriend, my partner, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that's good enough for me. I mean, mm-hmm. does a doula really make a difference? For us, it was, I mean, for, for so many reasons, it was just sort of the difference a lot of times between feeling like, yeah, we can totally do this. And I think like a common theme of pregnancy, birth, and now what I'm realizing parenthood is on one hand you're like I've got this I can do it and then five seconds later you're like I need all of the help I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. and through the pregnancy there was so much of that and Alicia was just that kind of baseline to come back to every mm-hmm. time that just reminded us you know you can do it you've been doing it you're meant for it you're made for this and I'm here for you I think the thing for me as well is that she was she's fully there for me but also Eddie in a sense but because she's there for me, it takes the burden off of him. So it, he was so involved in, in the pregnancy and the birth and he was clued up and wanting to be there 100% as well. But everyone is human and birth, especially my birth, you know, it, it took a lot out of everyone that was involved. So to have that, to, to be able to have two people there that were dedicated to making sure I was okay meant that neither of them were flagging at any moment because yeah. you know if it does take a little bit longer if it does get a little bit intense you you need like reserves of energy and yeah. I think it's good to get the right amount of help not necessarily getting just getting loads and loads of people but the right people mm. with the right knowledge and the right sort of vibration as well she was so calm so so strong and one thing that that did happen was with obviously the the pandemic stuff uh, coming out about three months before my due date the 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 local NHS trust here pulled their home birth services yeah. about four weeks before I was due, I think. Maybe about six weeks, actually. I remember speaking to Alicia after seeing the midwife, who was all, oh, you know, you're planning a home birth, rolled her eyes, told me it probably wouldn't happen. And that was that was really scary for me. And Alicia was like, it's fine, we're going to be at home. You know, she didn't, she didn't go any, into any detail. She didn't stress me out with technicality. She just said, you will be here and everything will be fine and we'll be here with you. 
and that kept me going and allowed me to make that the, the choices. Got you through yeah. that hiccup. Mm-hmm. We call it a hiccup. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Just kept you going. Right, we've got the plans in place. Nothing's changed. Yeah, kept the flow going. It didn't stop me. I think it's so important about it's so important the energetics of pregnancy and birth, and it kept that kept that rolling. It didn't it didn't stagnate anything. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. No, and she was really, really good at that. I, I mean, I only saw her for a little bit of it, yeah. um, but she was just so calm. And, you know, there was a really good balance between Eddie and her. Mm. You could see one going in the room, one coming out, you know, just keeping you focused, which was great. Mm. Brilliant. <laughs> so the next question I was going to ask, actually, was about the ones that helped you. So you okay. tell us about who was involved from from the point, say, that we've just got to, you know that you're not going to have a home birth that you had planned, mm-hmm. uh, NHS midwives coming out, things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So once you got to that point, who became involved? What changed? So my immediate thought was I will just free birth. <laughs> I will just have the baby at home with Very no brave. one, you know, I'll Very go and stand on the it. beach and just roll them out. But there was this kind of awareness that it was my first baby. I've never given birth before. I don't know what I'm meant to feel and, and you know... Mm. Although we do live about five minutes away from the hospital, I was just, there was just this kind of feeling that I would, because it was my first baby, I would have just preferred to have someone who had the medical side of things in their awareness. Just because of those tiny little things that are the difference between freaking out and not freaking out, basically. So a trained medical professional can spot stuff and a, a problem that doesn't have to be a problem can just be resolved and you can you know everything can be fine again about the energy i didn't want to panic because i knew the minute panic adrenaline fear comes into it exactly. things start to you know the the nature kind of starts to take a back seat so so from thinking that i wanted a home birth to thinking okay maybe i should just maybe i should look for an independent midwife and obviously this was a month before I was due and everyone in this sort of field is getting booked up left, right and centre because it's happening to everyone. Yeah. Um, so I tried a few people and was about to give up and then there was this midwife that I had followed on Instagram and Eddie had followed on Instagram and all of my friends that are pregnant and, and planning to have babies knew of her and we saw, oh, this midwife and she's amazing and she does this and that and she does hypnobirthing and she's so cool and she's so great. Yeah. And I thought, let me just email her. You know, she's probably booked up for the next 10 years, but let me try. And she emailed straight back, like, I've got one space left for the year and it's in May and it must be must be meant for, meant for you. And we had a video call and she just said, I'd love to be your midwife. And I cried on the phone I was just like oh my god <laughs> Kemi's gonna be our midwife there we go. I was wondering if you was gonna mention her yeah, name the, Kemi. the beautiful Kemi Johnson yes Kemi yeah. Birthjoy Birthjoy yes what a name yeah. and yeah and she she really she really um, upholds that I mean my birth was mental I don't think I'll find a word for it it's still one of the best experiences ever that I've ever you know ever yeah. been through in my life even though it was really scary and went through a lot and whatever but it's not I don't I don't feel like that so I think it really was about those people so so I always had Eddie from from when we first got pregnant of course Alicia I told her she was the first person I told actually I think I might have told her before I told my mum even and then very um last minute we got Kemi so that was my birth team Eddie Kemi and Alicia and then how far into the labour were we 
So it, it was a perfect birth after that. So you went into labour and everything was absolutely spot on. No, no problems. No. no, there's another. There's another. There's another person <laughs> on the birth team that uh, got recruited in even even more last minute than Kemi did. Yeah. So I'd been in labour already for about twenty four hours at home. I was trying to get some rest in between contractions, and Kemi noticed that I was saying things like, "Where's my baby?" and mm. "I need help." So she came in and she said, "I've got this wonderful friend." and he does therapy and I can't remember I couldn't remember at the time what she was saying but obviously she was telling me about the wonderful you wonderful Matt me coming in to <laughs> coming to help us to do Bowen therapy that's it, um yeah. yeah so you you came a few just a few hours after that I think I was I was still all right so that was probably about 30 20 25 six hours in or something and I think it was starting to get to me because I'd already had that previous night I'd had the clearing out the being sick that the contractions were getting really close together and then sort of trailing off and and I wasn't sleeping so that was and not eating so that was starting to to take a toll definitely Mm. um and then you came you did some therapy with me and um it gave me another boost and you Mm. picked up on some things about the position of the baby that then helped us say helped us know what we needed to do just help him because obviously my body had told me we need help you was in a really good mindset but there was a couple of bits about the way you were thinking mm. and I think even the energy coming from Eddie was a mm-hmm. little bit you know this is taking a really long time yeah. and I could see that there was worry there yes you know Kemi was perfect she was trying to reassure you yeah um, and I think you just needed a little bit more information that couldn't be given yeah just by a doula you yeah, needed something a little you... bit more just to know where baby was sitting mm-hmm um, but we got things going. Yeah. We brought them right back close together. Yes, we sped up again. We had a lovely birth pool set up. So yeah. that was what we used. I managed to get in there. My last half hour with you before <laughs> yeah. I had to go because I had clinic. Yeah. Um, but we managed to get you in the birth pool with mm-hmm. contractions pretty close together. Yeah, yes, yeah, so they were. So, yeah. They sorry. were, no, I was just going to say, they, they, they were th- three every 10 minutes from about one o'clock on the Thursday so they look seemed to be speeding up really quickly and then obviously yeah we had all the all the craziness but I didn't know it was it was slow I was like in my whole I didn't know what what day it was what time it was I was just in the I read a book that describes the brain waves that you that you go into when you're in in labor and I think I was definitely all the way out in the middle of the ocean the way they explain it the deeper you go into it so I didn't know until quite a few days after Mars had been born um, the vibe that everyone else had of like, why is it taking so long and why hasn't it picked up yet? And and that just kind of continued. So after you left, um, I was in the pool for a little while longer and then I think I started to get cold. And I think I knew that I was in there too early and it was a bit of a, let's just give her some relief and hopefully that can speed things up. But yeah, it wasn't working. I think I wanted to get out and I was tired and saying that I wanted to rest and then Kemi was saying we need to we need to um change your position during your contractions we need to have your this leg up in this place and let's try that and let's do the rebozo and let's um at one point I was lunging up and down so I live on the top flat at top floor of the the block the flats that we live in third floor so I was lunging sideways, taking two steps at a time while having contractions, stopping to be sick between the between the floors. And I think we got three rounds in, up and down, being one complete round. Yeah, so we did everything. This is sort of what I've been told afterwards. You know, me at the time, I'm just thinking, I'm just going to keep going up and down these stairs until my baby yeah. comes out. Yeah. 
I did an inversion off the end of my bed while I was having a really strong contraction at one point. More rebozo. Yeah, the inversion. So what, why was that inversion suggested? Because this, this was a text message that I got later in the day yes. to say, what can we do now? I think this was to do with uh, him having come down quite low and being mm. t- not having completed his turn. So maybe yeah. to help him come a little bit further out so that he could turn so then drop back down we call that shoulder dystocia mm. um, and that was one of the things I picked up on here and I kind of we'd done what I thought was enough mm-hmm. um, but obviously message a bit later from Kemi to me to say so we need to get her inverted to try and just out a little bit and then yeah. reset um, in the hope that that worked so, yeah so we sadly, did that did it work no no. <laughs> no I had a good I think I tried three times right. um inversions forearm on the floor forearms on the floor bum in the air knees on the bed it all seems a bit back to front when we're trying to get baby down and yeah i was confused at the time but this is one of the things that um i was aware of and had been watching and you know i knew of spinning babies and and things like that and these were all the sort of things that i'd watch people doing in videos and think wow it's so cool that you could do that and there are all these natural interventions if you like that you can not interventions these natural helping things yeah, that you can do remedies situation yeah 100 percent. natural remedies to things that going back to what i said about wanting to free birth if you don't have the people with the with the right knowledge and you can't do the natural remedy you end up with the intervention so i really was blessed to have all the you know the perfect type kinds of help that that i could have yeah mars wasn't wasn't playing so i think it was a couple of hours after after that or maybe it wasn't that long time doesn't really exist when you're when you're in labor so i'm going to stop trying to use time as a as a way of telling this story thank you so that's something (laughs) for everybody listening it's um we get too many little we call it tick box birthing you know and if you're not careful you turn something that should be completely natural your body your baby everything has its own schedule mm. okay and you can't put tick boxes on a birth mm-hmm. i'm really sorry I've, I've tried it i've seen it and not once has it ever gone to the tick you you yeah. miss a couple and then you you kind of go oh we've missed that one and then you end up where they think it should have been an hour or two hours or whatever yeah. before we we bring it in right at the end mm-hmm. so Hundred percent. Definitely, no more tick boxing. Yeah. For anyone that's listening, try try not to mm. put things on the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a timeline. There is a way that your body releases hormones and things work. It's more but of a phase and cycles, it. isn't it? And if you overthink it, then you're not thinking about what you should be doing. You're not mm, not present out to sea, like you said. You know, yeah. letting your mind just take over and and take it. So, the actual labour itself. How long did we end up? Again, another tick box. So I was only in active labour for about seven hours, I think. But my contraction started at 5am on Thursday and Mars entered the world at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Okay. So 62 hours. 62 <laughs> since the first little niggle right the way through. Yeah. Which, um, seven hours, you're saying of active. Act- so active labour. What makes you say active labour? Um active labor being the box ticked definition of active labor so from when i was four centimeters dilated because in terms of phases i thought i spent a long time of um a long period of that labor at home thinking that i was at the transition thinking that i was seven centimeters dilated i was having a bit of apprehension because it was getting very real and that that was why i was saying i need help because i'd read about that a lot of women think they can't do it when they're at that sort of that phase 
Um, and I didn't find out until after Mars was born that that whole time I was two centimetres dilated, which again, doesn't matter. It could go from two to ten in, you know. Yeah, we'll come back to the dimension. No time. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's just, um, yeah, I thought I was there for, for ages and I actually wasn't. But I think mentally I was because as soon as, as soon as I, so I ended up going into hospital about midnight, Friday night had this one contraction everyone was telling me you can do it you can do it because that was the that was my wishes that was my request that everyone support me in my you know my natural ability to birth and just got to a point where I said I can't do it you know I got quite frustrated for the first time through the whole labor I was just like I can't do it it's not happening you know I want everyone to leave the room and I just want to speak to Eddie and that was when I told him you know, I don't want to have a home birth anymore. I just want a birth. I just want my baby to come out because it felt like he was he was never going to come. Yeah. That's um, your intuition screaming at you. Yeah. And you know, as a doula, um, you would look at that and go, "Do you know what? This 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 isn't just mum going through a phase of oh, I, mm. I can't do this. I'm so tired." You yeah. Know, those sort of things we push you on. Yeah. But when you get to that point of uh, I can't stop, mm-hmm. stop, I'm not doing it. I can't. My body, won't, you know, we yeah. listen. And I think it was really hard for me to. I think I could have. I could have said that, you know, six hours before. Yeah. But I was. I think this awareness and the knowledge that no, you know, it's just a, you know, nothing worth having comes easy, and you just got to go through it. And there'll be times when you feel like you can't do it, but you can. And after you know my third round of up and down the stairs lunging and all the inversions, I was like, okay, it's not happening. And something that Eddie said to me when we were in the hospital was that I'm healthy and the baby's healthy and he's not come out. So that tells us everything that we need to, everything that we need to know. Okay, so we've got to this point. Mm. Um, So what happened? Did you, did we have a midwife come in and check you or what happened? In the hospital? Yeah. Yeah, we had... So I had a lovely midwife come in at about eight in the morning after I'd had some morphine when we first got there. That was the, I got two hours sleep for the first time. So she came in and I don't actually remember, to be quite honest, exactly how it all went down. But I remember speaking to Kemi on the phone and saying, I'm four centimetres and they, they've asked if I'll give my consent to them breaking my waters. I think first of all the midwife came in and she said about how long it'd been going on and the pain and everything. I'd had morphine, I'd had gas and air um, and then she offered an epidural. I remember phoning Kemi because she wasn't allowed in because, you know, guidelines. But luckily Eddie was allowed in. So that was that was good. Um, so rang Kemi, asked, what do you think, epidural? It's not something that, you know, was in my sort of preferences. Um, and she, she told me that because I was so tired and my body, I'd been contracting for three days that it would probably give me a chance of relaxing enough to, to continue to open to let baby come. So went for the epidural and that helped me go up, you know, helped my cervix open a bit more. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of hours after that, I had undilated and I'd gone from being fully effaced to having a, a hard cervix again. So when we first got to the hospital, I had this kind of, the whole time I had this feeling of like, my body needs help, it's not happening. And that was sort of quieter at times and then really loud at other times. And when I got to the hospital, I remember putting my hands on the end of the hospital bed and saying to Eddie, I just feel like we're just gonna end up, I don't care anymore, I think we're gonna have to have a cesarean. And that's how the baby's gonna gonna come because, you know, how are we here? We're in the hospital, we've done all this stuff and they're not coming. And 
the big thing for me, I think, that I realised now looking back was was saying those words, I don't care anymore. I cared so much about, you know, baby being able to come out a certain way and being able to be skin to skin, skin to skin straight away and having it all, having it perfect naturally for my baby, for my body. And then, I, and then, you know, what I said in the beginning, it just came down to that raw fact of just getting him out. So... It's a tough question, but... At that point, hands on the end of the bed, mm. the realisation that Caesarean was now mm. way up on the options list. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like a failure? Did you feel like you'd done something wrong? I don't think I had the capacity to feel like that at that at that stage because I didn't get to hear it until after he was born. But you know, all I heard afterwards was uh, watching you go through it. You were so strong. It was so this and that. But really in the moment, I can't remember what the contractions felt like. I don't remember any of the stress, any of the worry. I was just completely experiencing things, sensations, emotions, if there even were the, any the purity of at the time. Yeah, it was like the purest. Someone said to me before, there's no meditation, there's no plant medicine quite like birth and what it does to you. And I think... You know, maybe that's why I would I would get pregnant tomorrow if I could. You <laughs> oh, know. you're taking my next <laughs> questions. Stop it, stop it. Yeah. So. But um, yeah. So to, no, to answer your question, I didn't feel like a, a failure, and I'm glad that you know everything was in the right in the perfect timing. And I, I, it's not like it I had contractions for two hours and went no, take me to the hospital. You know, and that would have been fine as well. But for me, it all happened as it should have, and so all the decisions were made at the right time, the right mm-hmm. points. And I made, I feel like I made the decision without actually executing it. So that was at about one in the morning that I said, I want to have a cesarean. We waited until we saw the midwife, did the checks, broke the waters. We tried. We sort of jumped through hoops a little bit with the, with the hospital. And then I, I asked the midwife, can I have a, I want to, I, I want to have a cesarean. And she said that what we would like to do is give you the Pitocin to give you an induction and that is where I think having the knowledge and stuff, um, it can't change necessarily the outcome, but it can change some of the things along the way. Mm-hmm. So having like ha- having knowledge of what Pitocin is and the sort of interventions that can come with it, which is ultimately in a lot of cases an emergency cesarean, mm-hmm. I felt so lucky in that moment to say, thank you, no, I've already, I'm already in labour, I don't want to be induced, my baby's in the wrong position, I don't want you to try and force him out if he's not trying to come out that way. So yeah, we had to wait hours, felt like hours and hours and ages yeah. for the surgeons to come round and then because we had requested it, it wasn't an emergency emergency. We had about 90 minutes instead of 15 and in that time I got to say, you know, be gentle with me and the baby and have no lights screen. off and give me the baby straight after and which they didn't do because he, he passed his first stall in the womb so they made a bit of a hoo-ha about taking him away and wrapping him in this like crusty towel and then by that time mid-surgery and I had the baby and then they took him back and I was just out of it and couldn't really, it wasn't really in control but I'm happy with the decisions that I made before and ultimately the fact that he, he arrived safely, I came out of the quite a long and intense um you know run for my body you know childbirth is such an amazing such an intense thing anyone that goes through it in any way shape or form it's incredible um and definitely for my experience i'd gone through it so at the end i was just drugged up but happy with my baby on my chest i'm so glad you said that because obviously all these these interviews that i've been doing um which i'm hoping will be going out very soon um 
have been to show people birth is birth Mm -hmm. you know and whatever way you do it you go with your intuition you you go with your feeling Mm -hmm. and your feelings change so many times in this journey i i just think that that little bit that you made that decision not to go for the induction Mm -hmm. you know not to have a hormone put inside you to push this back to flush this baby out yeah now that was a that was probably out of all the choices you made that was probably your most important because what did what position did you find out miles was actually in um like a like a remix of every position that kind of stops them from coming out vaginally he had he was back to back yep his hand was up by his face um and his forehead was presenting so not his crown so he had a a bent neck his face was turned over you know he just he was in no position to come out that way and a shoulder wedged as well and the shoulder yeah which we've we've been treating obviously since yeah so how how do you get all of those in one to me that i've never ever seen that (laughs) never ever seen that so your call there actually saved him yeah 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 it was yeah. it was me or him you know some yeah. serious there, damage there would have been there would have been forceps and complications and the the suction thing yeah, and nice. i know you know luckily from reading and avidly watching birth stories and reading about them that interventions end with interventions and a lot of things end with an emergency cesarean which can be so traumatic and you know, there's always an element of, of trauma to overcome after a birth because yeah. it is traumatic, but that doesn't have to have a negative of course a not. negative connotation. But I'm glad that um, it's just the fact that I have to get over it. I don't have to look back and think, you know, someone make decisions for me and and it was all like something out of casualty. That was not what I wanted. It was all very, you know, it was no, still no, empowered and positive. No, TV birth. No, it was don't, still... If you're going to watch birth videos or anything like that, please not the TV, not the no. filmed ones, not the drama watch them ones. On, watch the ones that Kemi, Kemi Birthjoy Johnson on Instagram reposts yes. and Orgasmic Birth and I think there's a whole website. But, yeah, there's positive a ton of birth stuff out there. Videos, um, yeah. If there's any you want me to put at the bottom of this podcast, let me know mm-hmm. later. Yeah, um, So please have a look underneath. Um, there will be some links to d- different people on Instagram. Is that where yes. we're going? Yeah, we're going yeah, with the Instagram. Instagram's the one. And your, your Instagram obviously <laughs> yes. will be on there yeah. um, so people can have a look. I, um, this is a question I, I can't, I've never seen you angry or even annoyed <laughs> so it's, it's a really strange question to ask you but is there anything during the journey that you got angry at or frustrated or you know why did they do that that type mm. of thing um, come on tell us so there was it, during the labour I think there was the that probably that moment where people I don't even remember who was saying it maybe it was I think it was everyone um, was saying you can do it and I grabbed a pillow and I screamed into it like just screamed into this pillow and then I was like I can't do it I'm not doing it that was like that was the frustration and then what after straight after he'd been born there was so Eddie had to take him back while they sorted me out after the surgery and then I then I got taken back into our room and there was Eddie with my son and I was in and out of consciousness. And in my, my body was just saying like, you need to have him on your chest, you need to feed him, you need to have skin to skin, you need to help with his temperature and all this. And this new midwife came in and took my baby and, and he was just screaming, crying. She's trying to take his temperature and check his heart rate and all this stuff. And 
that was so much frustration because I couldn't get the words out. It was almost like one of those dreams mm-hmm. where you're trying to punch someone, trying to defend yourself and you can't land anything. Because right. in my head I was saying, like, give me my baby, but it wasn't coming out of my mouth. And then I said to Eddie, like, I think I need him, you know? And he was a bit in shock as well. Yeah. Major, major things just yeah. happened to both of us. And in the end, Eddie was Eddie just, you know, spoke up for me and said, you know, do your checks after. She was saying, we need to do it in the first hour. And he was only about half an hour old. And Eddie just said to her, do it after. He needs yeah. to be, you know, he hasn't met his mother properly yet in in the physical, so you need to need to do that. And so that was probably, that was the most frustrating yeah. thing, was not being able to ask for my baby afterwards, yeah. not even necessarily towards that midwife, you know, she's just doing her job. But she, I was stuck in this. She's ticking those boxes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which she's is, doing is what... the hardest thing as soon as... It, and this isn't anything against anyone that works in a hospital no, within no. maternity, you know. They have boxes they need to tick. Mm-hmm. Now, the only way they're allowed to get out of that tick box is by you saying, I want my baby. Yeah. You know, or Eddie going, she wants her baby. Yeah. Do the checks later. That takes the vulnerability... That You know, anything on them is mm-hmm. taken away. So... For anyone out there, you know, it's your baby, it's your body, it's your choice. Mm, you know, 100%. and I, I've said this so many times on these podcasts. You know, please don't think other people are in charge. Hundred percent. This is not unless we get to the point w- where you've got where it is a medical condition. Mm-hmm. Birth is not medical. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think this is something that is it's so important for people to know and to realise that you are the one that gets the final say. You know, even when we do get some medical things, I'm not going to go into too many right now, but when we get the medical things, it's still your choice. Yeah. You can choose or refuse. Yeah. You know? And I think that is so important for people to know, but yeah. uh, I, I can't imagine you're angry. Um, <laughs> so you said you'd do it again. I mean, yeah. do we have plans for number two? Yeah. We do? <laughs> yeah. Are you willing to talk about these or is, yeah. this, is this just when it happens you let people know? Um, I mean, I yeah, I, um, I just... Right now, I'm focusing on covering from the the surgery, yeah, course, from getting getting to grips with with motherhood. But I'm I'm ready emotionally, mentally when when my body is, and I think I'll see how I feel. I've read some things about you know 18 months being being a good time to a good amount of time to give yourself to get over the um, the physical aspect of what's involved with with having a cesarean birth. Yeah. But I know people have, you know, had a cesarean birth and vaginally birthed a ten-pound baby sixteen months later, or whatever, and they're fine because you know the body's amazing and it does does what it does. So it does. I don't want just heal and then it's yes, a, oh, well, not incredible. me personally. I was at, <laughs> at one. I, I, obviously, I've never birthed yes. anything. Um, so you say about getting back to normal after mm. cesarean birth. Um, how, <laughs> personal question: How is everything down there now? Mm. Seven weeks later, are we? We're feeling good. I mean, obviously, I didn't... um, There wasn't too much change for me um, vaginally. I mean, I feel like... I feel like there is a difference in in look, in feel. But I think it's more... I think it's been... um, The change came from more emotional, mental factors as opposed to the quite raw physical changes that that you get from vaginal birth. So... Yeah, I just feel so differently about my whole system. Yeah. You know, I've always loved and had a lot of respect for 
the female reproductive system, especially my own. Um, So now I just feel quite protective over my, um, over the area that, you know, that Mars came from, the part of my body that's been cut open. But I just feel really proud of it. Celebrate the scar. Just celebrate the scar, yeah. I've started doing, like, self-scar massage to help get everything, you know, a bit more... um, help everything flow to help with the recovery to help with my connection because I did just sort of numb it a bit you know in the days the weeks there's early weeks after birth I just thought I just can't even think about my belly and the pain that might be there and so now it's yeah just reconnecting to it and really just yeah just helping it to heal and sneezing and laughing and everything like that is fine now good good you panic don't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah luckily tear open if I sneeze or... and I'm such a such an allergy kid such a hay, hay fever girl sneezer laugher right. um and luckily I didn't sneeze too much after he was born and and you know when I have laughed hard or anything it's not been too bad you're very aware of it but mm. like I said the body's amazing and the people that are you know the the people that do the work, the surgery, are also incredible. And, and so it's a, um, you know, normally birth is a dance between mother and baby. And then you have the help of the birth team. But this, my one ended up being me, Mars, and the the, surger- the surgeons. Um, I think we all did a really good job. So I trust that, yeah, it's all I, healing I beautifully. I love your positivity. Even with everything that's happened, you're so positive. Um, so I'm just, anything out there that you think, yeah, I would love those parents mm-hmm. to know or not to worry about or just something that your little bit of wisdom that you would love to pass on. I feel like I need to get the crystal ball out. What can I <laughs> what can I extract? There's so much. I think I think the thing that carried us through, taking into account everything that it threw at us in the end, was our own knowledge. So yes, we were so lucky to have you know, incredible professionals, doulas, therapists. The connection that we had as a couple really, really helped. But the knowledge, being able to be offered things in hospital and knowing the risks and the reasons for, the reasons against, rather than having to ask and not potentially be told everything, so that you really can stay in control. Not that you can be in control of birth, but empowered, not in control so that you can stay empowered because something that has interested me so much about birth and the reason why I want to go into some form of birth work myself is that I see so many people who look back and don't even realise that they had a choice and don't realise that there was a different side to the coin that they were handed. I'm I'm just so happy that I don't have to deal with any of that because that's really hard. So learn as much as you can and no matter what the outcome you're, like you said, it's your body, it's your baby, it's your choice. Yes. The more you know, the the more in alignment that can all be. So the happier you'll be, no matter what we happens. Have in, we have choice, but then we have informed choice. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is so people out there, if you're listening, you know, um, a big question that comes up a lot is why are doula? You mm. know, everyone understands midwife, surgeons, all of the birth team that you have in place, even the medical practitioners that come in and do their little bit, body mm. workers. But why a doula? Doulas are there to give you information. You can learn a lot from books. Yeah. You can learn a lot from watching different things, births on TV, things like that. You can learn things. But to have a doula that's been attending births, not to guide, not to do medical interventions, not to, you know, but just to say, you know, these are the facts. Mm-hmm. This is some of the things that can happen. 
um, and these could be the results. Mm. Kind of puts you in a position, you go, well, I know what can happen, so epidural. I know yeah. what can happen when you have an epidural. The situation I'm in now, do I feel that that is a good choice or not? Mm-hmm. And you, you made a good choice, yeah. you know, for you. you. You don't sit here going, I wish I hadn't gone for the epidural. Yeah. You know, you know that that was a part of the journey and it worked. Yeah. So this is all doulas do. They don't tell you what to do. They don't try and no. control the room. They don't control the people. They don't tell people to do this or do that. You know, they're there just to make sure you're going with your choice. Yes. And 100%. that choice is not made by tossing a coin. No. That choice is made through knowledge. Mm-hmm. And like you said, gaining that knowledge is so vital. So mm. no thanks. Anyone out there? Knowledge. Knowledge is, Knowledge is power. power. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yes. we've mentioned lots and lots of people. Now this is a this is a question because this this podcast is completely voluntary. Okay. I do not make a penny from it. I've had sponsors come forward, and I I don't want any sponsoring. Okay. I want this to be about what it truly like. You said purity. Mm. Okay. And this is your story. It's raw, and it's for people to go. Do you know what? Even though that wasn't, I would be happy with that birth. I would be mm. happy. We're looking at people that have helped you, maybe people that have given you some knowledge, people that, you know, even charities out there. Is there any sort of charity or organisation or even individual mm-hmm. that you would like to mention that people should look at? There are actually two. The okay. second one's just come to mind. First, first of all, Kemi is doing um, a brilliant project which is called, I hope I get the name right, Childbirth Choices Matter. And she is um, raising funds and providing time and expertise with other incredible independent midwives to give other families the choice to Mm -hmm. to make their informed choices. So it's there to provide good care for people who might not be able to afford it, I think. Um, So definitely definitely support that i think they have their own instagram page which is called childbirth choices matter i will put a link so, into that yeah we can find the links it's so important not I, everyone can I ring their mum and say please help me pay for the midwife which yes. is what i did you know i'm yeah. gonna do it at home on my own if you don't give me the money so yeah. you know it's and so important it's it, again it's your choice isn't it and unfortunately sometimes our choices they don't come for free mm-hmm. okay yeah, yeah. so we've, we need to be aware of that and I think any of us in a financial situation going into birth need to, we need to balance the financial side with the choices that we can yeah. make and can afford. 100%. So that that's a lovely one to mention. I've, yeah. I've actually got an interview coming up with Kemi and we're going to oh, hear amazing. a lot about that. So please go through my yes. podcast, find the one with Kemi. I'll listen to that. I already can't wait to, to that listen as well. to that. So she is fantastic. And then um, there is um, next one. Abuela Doulas that I'd like to mention. Okay. Um, so I think it's run by the doula who Alicia, our doula, did her training with. And similar thing, they're providing funding for women to train as doulas with a focus on helping black women to train as doulas as well because there's the five times more kind of stuff going on, which I think is really important to, you know, to, to be aware of. It's one of those situations where statistically it looks like people have less choices, less of a voice and... The movement that Abuela doulas are creating is uh, directly having an impact on those statistics. Yes. Um, so check those out. Check those definitely. people out. Help and people those train. Those statistics again. That's knowledge that will it will definitely change some of your choices. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, so that is a really good one to look at. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that one. Yeah. You didn't tell me that before we started. No, so it just came to me. That is really, really good. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, Mars that Lord. Um, that's that's Lisa. So, yes, I, I've uh, I've met Mars, so <laughs> she's lovely. Um, so yeah, all these Amazing. lovely doulas you keep mentioning. Yes. It's, it's a, the doula world is very small. Mm. Um, and small yeah, and powerful. And we need some more men. Come on, men. Yes. If you're listening to this, we need some male doulas. Um, to chat anyway, Eddie up yes. to train as a doula. Oh, Maybe you can he help would him. Be that. Amazing. <laughs> he would be amazing if the beard doesn't skip. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It has been such, a, such pleasure. a pleasure, not just to work with you, but to do this as well. Oh, I don't um, really cry. <laughs> <laughs> done you, the whole thing just, without crying. See, look, you've done really good. But oh. no, we, we've had some amazing times. Um, we're actually now, so anyone listening, just to make you really, really jealous, <laughs> um, we're just about to do a closing the bones after this interview. So uh, you'd be thinking, oh, she's getting such a lovely massage. So, yes, yes you're getting my version of closing the bones. Incredible. Um, all of the links, all of the people we said about have been completely just our conversation we Mm. did not we're not trying to promote anyone and we're not trying to make any money from this podcast i just want to confirm that but Mm. thank you so much bells it's been absolutely beautiful Mm. all right you take care thank you you've been listening to the male doula birth stories with me Matt Clark. This podcast is a labour of love for all those involved in birth and is completely voluntary, no financial gain to myself or to anyone else. Any mentions of products, companies, charities is done independently and without profit. Music used is with permission from bensound.com. If you'd be interested in telling your birth story with me, please visit the male doula .co.uk or find me on Instagram and Facebook as The Male Doula. Please subscribe or follow to be alerted to next week's podcast and a glowing review would be really appreciated. Until next week, take care. <laughs>